Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 448. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with America-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. Read our stories at slowflowersjournal.com. Our first sponsored thanks goes to new sponsor, The Gardener's Workshop, which offers a full curriculum of online education for flower farmers and farmer florists. We'll share more in the future weeks, but we want to give a shout out and thanks this week to Lisa Ziegler of The Gardener's Workshop. Online education is more important this year than ever, and you'll want to check out the course offerings at thegardenersworkshop.com. Our featured guest this week is Katie McLean of Posh Petals, based in Oro Valley outside Tucson, Arizona. Just like last week's guest, April Vomfell of Flathead Farmworks, Katie and I recorded this interview in person on March 14th at Hatomi Gilliam's Trend Summit in Vancouver, BC, Canada. Little did we know that business as usual and all our plans for the 2020 growing and floral design season would be radically changed soon after Katie and I traveled home the following day. I'm delighted to share our conversation with you and be sure to check out the show notes for episode 448 at deborahprinzing.com. But first, our bonus series here on the Slow Flowers podcast continues with our next installment of Stories of Resilience. I believe that now, more than ever, the message of sustainability and seasonal and locally available flowers is top of mind among consumers, farmers, and florists. I want the Slow Flowers podcast to be a companion to those of you in isolation, away from your physical community of peers, neighbors, customers, and friends. I don't have many answers, but I do want to keep the lines of communication open and accessible. Today's Stories of Resilience guest posted one of the very first posts that signaled to me that our times are changing, when on March 14th I noticed Three Porch Farms Instagram post offering free shipping of their flowers. They wrote, in light of the current situation, we are shipping a box of mixed blooms to your door. This is the first time we have offered this option and we're excited to be able to bring y'all a little bit of bright sparkle during this time of potential stress. Each box will contain a mix of 35 stems of our blooming beauties for the price of $65. You can expect approximately seven to eight tulips, 20 to 22 poppies, even a few of the big Italian varieties, and seven to eight daffodils, maybe even a few ranunculus and anemones thrown in there too. And then there was a note that said, our first succession of ranunculus is on the way out while our next batch isn't quite ready yet. 
but what I can promise is that they will all brighten your day. We will begin shipping this Monday with first come, first serve. We hope to ship through throughout the week, assuming shipping continues. But we can never thank y'all enough for the love and support you constantly extend our way. Really and truly, this farm only works because of your kindness and belief in what we are doing over here. Sending you all so much love, happiness, and excellent health. I loved reading that, and I reached out to Three Porch to learn more. And ever since, Mandy and I have been juggling our schedules in order to record this conversation. Based in Comer, Georgia, Mandy and Steve O'Shea are past guests of this podcast, so I'll share the link to our 2016 interview for you to go back and listen to. Here's a bit more about Mandy O'Shea. She graduated from UGA with a degree in horticulture. During that time, she began working with a local sustainable farmer and selling their goods at the big city bread farmer's market and other local venues. She has been hooked ever since. Her love for the farm and the farm life took her to California via the Woofer program, where she learned to combine her love for horses and farming. While in California, she also worked at the prestigious organic olive oil company, McAvoy Ranch, for multiple years, helping to manage their seven-acre vegetable and cut flower gardens, as well as doing daily flower arrangements to beautify the ranch, the San Francisco Ferry Building store, and for frequent events. After missing her home state for too long, Mandy and Steve packed up their dogs and beehives and headed eastbound and down to begin their new farming endeavor in Georgia. They are passionate about bringing beauty, blooms, and good food to the local folks. Three Porch Farm is a certified naturally grown farm, which adheres to the same standards as USDA Organic. Steve and Mandy's commitment to sustainable farming goes far beyond that. All five of the farm's vehicles run on waste vegetable oil recycled from restaurants in Athens. Since 2012, Three Porch Farm is entirely solar powered. The program is ever evolving with more than 36 kilowatts of solar panels that provides enough electricity to supply the needs of the entire farm plus the O'Shea house and still quite a bit extra to feed back into the grid. With Planet Before Profit as their operating principle, Mandy and Steve's goal is to be carbon neutral and to use the farm as an opportunity to put best ethics into practice. The farm is lush with strawberries and blueberries, supplying customers at the Athens Farmer's Market and Freedom Farmer's Market, which is in Atlanta, on Saturdays. Each year's love for growing and designing with flowers expands. Three Porch Farm has hundreds of rose bushes and peonies, thousands of dahlias and ranunculus, and a myriad of other varieties for every season. As they explain on Three Porch Farm's website, we have the good fortune of living on an amazing farm with a little under nine acres of gorgeous landscaping, constantly in bloom, and filled with wildlife. It is our great pleasure to spend our years working together to bring something positive to an already wonderful community. Let's jump right in and hear from Mandy as we discuss in real time and where the future is going for Three Porch Farm. Hey, Deborah Prinzing back with our next installment of Stories of Resilience, which are featuring here on the Slow Flowers podcast during this uh, uncertain and crazy and um, just weird new normal time. And I I'm so thrilled that Mandy O'Shea of Three Porch Farm agreed to jump on the line with me because there's a lot on her plate, as you can imagine. Hi, Mandy. Hi. Thanks for joining me. Um, 
as I was telling you before we started recording, the you, you and Steve did some really interesting things very early on, like two or three weeks ago that I saw on Instagram, and it really caught my attention. And it's just taken us a while to connect to learn more. So can you start by just giving everyone a little snapshot of uh, Three Porch Farm, where you are, if they don't know who you are, and what your you know kind of focus is? Yeah, so um, we are a small flower farm. We do minimal fruit uh, in Comer, Georgia, outside of Athens, Georgia. We do about three farmers markets every Saturday for most of the year. We do wholesale, we do weddings. Um, we have a crew, full-time crew of about seven people. And um, yeah, yeah, mostly just specialty cut flowers. Wow. Focus now. Yeah, and you do have another business uh, that that put, puts you in the in the farmer florist category, right? We do. Yeah, Moonflower Design, and that originally. Uh, you know, was we did full design weddings, we did the a la carte, we did the DIY, and each year we kind of just going, we just kind of keep dropping different elements of that. <laughs> oh, really? <design. laughs> I didn't even know that. Kind of, yeah, well, as of this fall, we we've officially we're just going bulk buckets, mm. really just focusing on the on the farming aspect. That's really where my passion is. So. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're ta- you're so talented and gifted as a floral designer, and you've gotten a lot of uh, you know attention for your design work. But it sounds like in in your heart of hearts, you're doing that design work to promote the flowers you're growing. Yeah, yeah. And and it was it was so nice to have that creative outlet during, especially like times of stress and stuff of getting the farm going. But now we're just really trying to focus, not stretch ourselves so thin, and weddings. They just did bring me a lot of stress mm-hmm. on top of trying to maintain the farm. And so we're just trying to find that balance. <laughs> well, well, we want to talk about sustaining a flower farm. And, uh, and I think you've got a lot of uh, sort of immediate actionable items that uh, you and Steve just dove in to kind of dim- implement, especially so early in the season. But you were telling me that um, in Comer, Georgia, you do have a, a pretty early harvest compared to other parts of the country. So maybe that gave you a little bit of a competitive edge um, for, you know, at least offering blooming flowers, uh, you know, local seasonal blooming flowers earlier uh, when people are so hungry for them. Uh, what what crops do you have? What are your first few crops that you're harvesting? This year was the earliest harvest that we had gotten. We were in full-blown ranunculus season and about January 25th. Oh my God. Wow. Which is good in some ways, but you know, stressful in others because we're really, we still do deal with, you know, freezes. It can be 70 degrees for weeks and then suddenly, you know, we're slammed and it always seemed like market morning that was going to be, you know, freezing on market mornings. And so we would have to even bring heaters and put into the trucks and, you know, oh my goodness. From freeze. Yeah. And then just throw everything on the table right away. So, you know, there's a lot of pros and a lot of cons with coming in early in the season, but, um, we get so hot so quick in the South that for us to, to really have a healthy and abundant spring crop of the flowers we all love and you know, want all throughout the year, we, we just have to have that, that earlier start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you had what you would call maybe a normal first several weeks of the, you know, the season, probably through February mm-hmm. before uh, the coronavirus scare kind of hit everybody, right? Yeah, uh, I think we stopped, Mark, we were the first 
to drop out of markets. Markets still did kind of go on. I think that was the first week in March. Mm -hmm. We made the decision that we weren't going. Our crew was nervous. We were nervous. Um, We just had to make that call of not going forward and not pushing the market aspects. So we pulled out. In the public sector kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Is is that, are any of your markets still continuing? Because I know selling food is considered an essential um, Mm -hmm. practice. Uh, They are our Athens farmers market. They have gone full, fully online. We have this wonderful uh, CSA program. It's collective harvest. And it it was started by a few of the veggie farmers and it was a, kind of a small group of farmers working together. But since this happened and our Athens market hadn't even started up yet, um, they quickly shifted and made room for all of the farmers and just really have provided this wonderful hub for, I mean, they probably have 30 growers on there now wow. where going into the season, maybe they were going to have like five growers, you know, they're keeping it kind of small, but they've really opened it up to everyone uh, to join in on that. And it has provided Athens community with all the fresh veggies. And it's also what we've seen from this is that so many people are now learning who their farmer is because they aren't finding the veggies at the market. I'm getting emails and calls all the time. of like, who has veggies? I don't know anybody at the market. I don't know the market. I've never gone. Wow. And, and so it's just, it's, you know, one of the silver linings in all of this is people really are truly looking at their backyard now as, you know, I need to know who my neighbor is. I need to know where our food, where I can get food right, right. now. And right. Right. it's been kind of nice. Wow. However, we have not jumped in on that CSA. Um, I'm actually, as you know, I'm here taking care of my dad. He had surgery and I'm kind of in quarantine with them. And so Steve is at the farm solo right now <laughs> doing yeah. all of the things. And for him, the shipping was the best option. So he didn't have to keep running into town an hour away, an hour back. Sure. Specific orders. We could really kind of streamline what we could do, um, given the parameters to work that we had to work with. Well, that's what we want to talk about is like how, what kind of short and long-term decisions you and Steve have had to make for, uh, you know, sustaining three porch farms. So this was about two or three weeks ago. Early on, I saw you posted this luscious, gorgeous photo of your poppies and said, we'll ship these to you. Just give us your address and we'll, you know, buy X amount and we'll cover the shipping. I don't know if you're still doing that, but that was sort of the first, I think that was the first actionable (laughs) survival step that I saw any flower farmer take and maybe in mid-March. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely active survival. Um, Yes. So when we realized, I mean, I think we said we're canceling markets and then the next sentence was we have to figure out the shipping Mm. um so we have dabbled in shipping a little bit we ship our iliagnus some tea olive a little bit of smilax um in the summer months usually about may through even october just depends on how long the crop lasts and so we've had a little bit experience but with those crops it's they're so hardy and durable and we can just literally wrap them in a big box and tape them up and they can go two day freight and whatever shipping. And we don't fret about it. We don't have to worry. Are they melting down? We know that they're just super sturdy. Um, So we had, we already had sort of our shipping system set up for that, which was really key in 
moving this forward fast. We have um, already been members of Cal Flowers. Mm-hmm. And I was going to ask Cal about Flowers, that. Yeah, so they are. That's who we get the deeply discounted shipping rates from. Without that deeply discounted shipping rate, there's like no way anybody would buy our flowers. And there's just because it would cost more to ship. Yeah. Than, yeah. Yeah, then it would be worth it. Can I just stop uh, you but, and ask you about that yeah. for a sec? Because Cal Flowers yeah. is, uh, they've just come on board as a sponsor of the Slow Flower Summit, which is really exciting to me that they're starting to recognize uh, the important resource uh, small farms are to this this profession and this marketplace in terms of also being a source of you know products. So w- roughly what did you pay to join for this big like sort of shipping organization? I heard it was about $1,000 a year. Is that... Right or no, I, I really have no idea. Okay, um, we've been yeah. Steve. That's usually Steve's job. Like I'm usually doing what Steve <laughs> does, and Steve is doing what I do. So it's been a complete shift. Like I mean, he's icing his neck like every four hours. He's just in so much pain oh. from harvesting and packing, oh. and oh, and I'm just like have you know pains in my butt from sitting at the computer answering emails, and you know. Uh. So it's been it's been kind of funny to see us flip-flop we have a lot more respect for each other yeah oh well i'll i'll get that information and and put it uh in today's show notes for people so they can um i think it's on a sliding scale uh, as well so maybe it maybe i'm inflating the price but whatever it was there is that they're very base they have different they mm -hmm. have um i just quickly looked at it i did a um instagram stories and kind of gave the whole spiel start to finish of how we shipped and um i just did a little brief overview of their website and they have a lot of different membership levels, and we are the basic, basic membership level. So, but, I can tell you that much. <laughs> but that allowed you to, because by sending like Smilax, which doesn't have to be hydrated on, you know, two day basic shipping, that was a pretty low, low cost um, way to get product to people. But now you've got this highly perishable product that you have to hydrate and you have to get to people more mm-hmm. suddenly, when that, which is what you had to pivot to, right? It is, yeah. So we're overnight shipping. Uh, we have a really good, here's another tip, <laughs> have a really good relationship with your FedEx driver or whoever it is that's doing your, your carrying service. Yeah. Uh, he comes to us last out of his route. So we're able to, we do put an ice pack in the flowers now. Um, and he also comes to us at like 6 p.m. Mm. when he is on his way to back to the office or whatever they call that, the building. Um, And so it's not sitting in his truck all day because we have had some really warm days here. It's going straight there and then we're overnighting them. So they'll be in people's doorstep at noon the next day, you know, brilliant, like across the country. Yeah. It's super bizarre. So what Uh, is your, like, what is your, are you selling by the bunch or single varieties? What are you offering people? We are offering a mix. So we have, it's called like the farmer's choice mix of stems. We're not doing a mixed bouquet. We're basically, here's 35 stems. You can kind of count each week it changes the recipe. But like this week, it's maybe 12 ranunculus, three butterfly ranunculus, three tulips, 10 poppies, hellebore. Um, So kind of whatever's in season. We're not taking specific requests. Um, this is very much a a survival thing, and it's yeah. just these. So, if things get too specific, it really clogs the streaming, the streamline um, 
system that he's developed in order to crank these things out and make it worthwhile for us. I think just a mix. People are excited with the mix. We're telling folks, you know, cut some greenery from your yard and stick in there and create. And we've just seen, you know, we've seen pictures of people who just, they're totally content just sticking them in their base and they're beautiful just as they are. And then we've seen people just do these like jaw dropping arrangements with them and everyone just finds pleasure in in them. Yeah. That's beautiful. Uh, I was just curious to know, at first, it probably were your farmer's market customers who wanted to get their hands on your flowers. But now, because of your reach through Instagram, who are you selling to? Um, I'm sure there's you've got followers everywhere. Yeah, I will say that this has been such a rewarding experience. And the fact that we actually know where our flowers are going right now and why they're being sent. We, you know, at the farmer's market, we'll hear, like, this is for a baby shower. This is for my friend. But we are getting... My friend's child just passed away. I need flowers. My mother is, you know, in isolation by herself. She's super depressed. Um, I'm a nurse. I'm super stressed out. I need something on my table. My friend's mother just passed away. It has been, I mean, I have chills just talking about it. Mm. And I keep sending these messages to Steve and it just, it like keeps him going. It's, it's the most we have ever felt the impact of our flowers on people's table. And wow. yeah, I mean, it has like pulled tears, a lot of chemotherapy, people's just starting chemo. They're very nervous of, of going, you know, throughout all of this, they really, they want to come back. They need the flowers on their table. Mm. Um, our farmer's market people, they're just really aching for some normalcy in their life. Having the flowers on their table each week just is giving them some comfort it's really been powerful. It's really been such a highlight, another sort of silver lining of all of this. It's just seeing our efforts and, and really knowing where they're going. So. so they're really farm direct to the end consumer then. You're not necessarily selling to other to florists who want to just get bulk quantities. Uh, it's, it well, sounds like... We are, we- yeah, this week I actually uh, we listed. This is called the big old box of ranunculus, and <laughs> I love it. <laughs> we're just trying to be very direct with people. Great like, branding. Is, yeah, we're just like this is what this is, and this is where we are right now. You know, like yeah. we don't have the really sweet like three porch farm tissue paper. It's like <laughs> we have what we have. You know, right? Like frantically making up stickers, and you know, it's like ooh, okay, we're off brand. We're just that's that's just where we are right, right now. Right, right. Ba- back, back to basics. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It's just it's survival. Um, and um, I don't know. I forget. Even where well, the, bi- the, that, big old bo- the big old box of ranunculus, it oh, sounds yeah, like yeah. it was going to, it's going to some florists then. Yeah. We're trying to make things accessible to them too, because they, the markets are closed down and the New York market's closed down. There's a lot of these big flower wholesalers kind of all over the country are shut down and so there are still some weddings happening. There are still some little events happening. And so people, designers are reaching out from all over the country, just desperate. And while we can't do these specific color palettes and even flower requests right now, we're like, we can at least try to offer you this. It's a decent price for what it is, given the situation yeah. and the shipping. So we're trying to to help that a lot. Um, I mean, as much as we can with it, you know. So um, in terms of just the, I don't know, the, I don't know what I even call it, the mechanics of doing this, you've got a particular way that you've 
been able to wrap and package the flowers with the ice pack mm -hmm. and get them out to people and is could this adapt to other crops uh, as you move into summer? Um, we are also shifting a little bit of focus on that. You know, right now uh, we are about to be in peony season here. Oh, right. I feel comfortable shipping those. We also grow a ton of campanula, and that usually comes in for us for Easter and Mother's Day. It's a big crop we rely on. That's going to be a little bit more tender, so we're actually going to send the box up to Grace at Five Fort Farm. We're going to do a couple of... Um, Yes. A little practice, yeah, a little practice runs on that. Uh, but we're even, we're reshaping what summer is going to look like for us. We are not planting zinnias. We're not planting cosmos. We, we have a whole field of cold flower or cold hardy annuals out there. I don't think they're going to ship well. They might just be, you know, forage for the bees and stuff mm -hmm. right now for this mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. um, we're getting our lizianthus in as soon as possible. Right. We are actually, for the first time, going to grow, you know, a ton of sunflowers because mm -hmm. we can ship them. Mm -hmm. So the farm, and we usually don't grow sunflowers. So we're just really trying to Smart. think about what we can ship um, versus what we're used to growing. Mm -hmm. So Smart. it's been a whole, like, super mind flip, and it's, you know, it, it's depressing on a lot of levels because, you know, you, we plan for all of these things and, you know, we bought all these seeds. We have all of these, these plants coming in. Mm -hmm. and, um, mm -hmm. But we just, we can't really dwell on that. It's about keeping us farm afloat and still being able to, um, you know, help our employees out financially while they're on break and uh, just, wow. just pivoting. I mean, it's, I feel like anytime we think we've got something down, it's totally good flip around so yeah. it's this I don't know I guess eight years this is our ninth season this is probably the first time we haven't like cried over a big flip we're getting kind of used to it <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's no know. new normal it's the new normal is that every single time you think you've got it nailed the somebody moves the goalpost on you and you're like okay oh my gosh yeah. and we have a usually have a big plant sale and it's a huge fundraising event for us so this was really the first year that we had seven of us full-time throughout the winter and all of that kind of banks on having this big farm sale. Um, it was, would have been last week and we have spent a year just, Oh my gosh, we have so many plants and so many things. And so that, that was really, that was a real bummer in it oh. all, but um, wow. we're trying to move that online too and just do some safe local pickup situations. But, oh. Um, oh, that's good. So, you know, so, Mandy, you said you're care doing some parental caregiving right now. You're not even physically <laughs> at the farm. I'm not. Uh, when do you think you'll be able to get back? I mean, we're trying to be realistic about it, and it just might be June. Mm. Um, so, because I'm going to end up having, my dad's going to have to go through some chemo, and mm. so I want to be the one that takes him, keep my mom safe here, uh, and I'm also a germ, like, fanatic I yeah <laughs> i mean i like basically have my dad wrapped in a plastic bag you know and oh bless his heart yeah and so how, where are you are you in georgia somewhere else i'm just maybe 18 minutes from the farm oh wow yeah i'm just right right down the road right but you road. you yeah. and you and steve can't even see each other then he's been coming over on the weekend like on sunday we had, oh good we had dinner 20 feet away from each other the other <laughs> night and oh, god and I mean, he hasn't left or anything either, but I'm just, 
so like this is my priority right now and it's just what he's being he's a hundred percent and has been completely supportive of this it's just i know this is where i need to put my focus right now um and yeah that's just kind of all there is to it i just don't want to take any chances right now so it's it's sobering extra extra yeah, and it's sobering to hear this because uh, these are the types of decisions that people in all over in the Slothar's community are being, you know, forced to, you know, forced to decide um, your health and your, you know, your life versus yeah. selling a few stamps. And I know it sounds like horrible. It is a horrible decision to make, but people are, you're finding a way and to keep some revenue coming in. And that I take a lot of encouragement in, especially the how you've described the connections with your customers. So thanks for sharing that. That's just awe-inspiring. And um, I I want to hear more. So mm-hmm. <laughs> next. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, we know, we know that we could really ramp up our sales if I was there. We know the potential that could be, had if I was there to help out. Um, but, but again, from the very get go, we had a meeting with our crew right off the bat before we made any decisions, we all came together and everyone was on board. Everyone was supportive. Everyone is, you know, chomping at the bit. They know as soon as this, you know, fades that they are ready to pounce. We are going to do what we got to do to sort of make it up as best as we can. But it's always been, health first yeah. for us on this and, and public safety. We don't, our, our markets do draw a lot of people and they come into the booth all at the same time. That to me is like oh. a nightmare situation yeah. at the moment. And I don't want to be any part of that. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Wow. Well, uh, Mandy, thank you so much for joining me to just talk a little bit about what you're doing at three porch farm. And I, um, I'm going to order some flowers. Uh, maybe what is the best day of the mm-hmm. week to order? So we are listing them at noon sharp on Saturday. Okay. And then usually Wednesday, uh, once Steve kind of gets the week under under himself, um, we are tending to add a little bit more availability. So I've, what I've been doing is people who've missed out on the orders from Saturday, I'm just, because I have the time, I'm making a nice little list and contacting them and letting them know when I add availability. Oh, great. <laughs> But My your... communication has gotten like so good. <laughs> I'm known for being the worst communicator. And I'm like, can't wait for an email to come in now. <laughs> so, um, is it are the order is the order through Instagram or through your website? Through our website. Okay, yeah, it's great. on. Yep, on the store and um, yeah, good. I I've made a commitment to uh, buy uh, flowers from a different farmer or uh, you know collective every week until I run out of money because <laughs> I want to I want to see what everyone's doing and I also want to share the love so um, I'll try to jump on the on your website and do that on Saturday um, that's so sweet and I will mention too um, I believe Sunny Meadows is now shipping uh, to I think wholesalers and yes. retail too. yes yes so, um, we'll try to get them on yeah awesome thank you so much and give steve our our love and our greeting and uh, I, I will share some photos uh in the show notes so people can see what these yummy flowers we're talking about from this dynamic team and i can't believe you're in your ninth year that's really exciting so no, kind of wild well thank you so much for always just being there i mean just didn't even these stories of resilience is 
it's just so empowering yeah. and impactful right Thanks. now. So it's... we appreciate you keeping going too. Thanks, Mandy. Take good care. You too. Bye-bye. Despite all that is on her plate, I'm so glad that Mandy devoted a little bit of time to record this Stories of Resilience segment to share today. Check out our show notes to see photos and to find all of Three Porch Farm's social places. I'll also share links to Cal Flowers, the California Association of Flower Growers and Shippers, which is the trade association that Three Porch Farm joined to optimize the discounted FedEx shipping rates. I hope you can take one tip or strategy from our conversation as you adapt and pivot your own floral enterprise. Best wishes to you both, Steve and Mandy. Our next sponsor thank you goes to Farmers Web. Farmers Web software makes it simple for flower farmers to streamline working with their buyers. By lessening the administrative load and increasing efficiency, Farmers Web helps your farm save time, reduce errors, and work with more buyers overall. Learn more at farmersweb.com. Okay, let's jump right into my conversation with Katie McLean of Posh Petals. Posh Petals is a flower studio located in sunny Oro Valley, Arizona, outside of Tucson. Katie has been designing gorgeous floral art for weddings and special events for over 13 years. She is a certified Arizona master florist and extremely knowledgeable when it comes to everything floral. Posh Petals is not your typical 9 to 5 flower shop. Everything Posh Petals designs is custom inspired by personal conversations with customers. The studio asks questions about the recipient, about his or her color preferences, home interior style, aesthetic vibe, and more. Typically, Posh Petals is available for daily deliveries, special orders, events, and its specialty weddings of all kinds. In the current coronavirus climate, Katie has added an update on Posh Petals website, which reads, from the studio to the porch, we are available for no contact delivery, daily delivery orders from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Katie has shared photos of her design work from daily deliveries to Arizona desert-inspired weddings, and I will share those in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. I've also included links so you can find and follow Posh Petals at their social places. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I am so excited to be coming to you today from Vancouver, British Columbia, where I've been part of Hitomi Gilliam's Trends Summit. And of course, I this is the second time I've come. I walk in the door. I don't know who's really going to attend, and I run into today's guest, who didn't know she was going to be asked. So, <laughs> hi, Katie McLean. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. It was such it was a joy to see you walk in the door. Yeah, I I, I lit up when I saw you too, and you had to remind me how many times we. Met and where, where we met. Well, you meet a lot of people. Oh, I'm elderly. <laughs> uh, and Katie owns uh, Posh Petals, which is in the Tucson area, but mm-hmm. the actual town is called Oro Valley, right? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Great. So, of course, I can't let you leave without, you know, sharing your story. And there, there's, you know, a cool thing happening in Arizona. So, um, I don't know about Tucson. You're really south. We are. It's yeah. very hot so most give, of the year. Yeah. So give us a snapshot of Posh Petals and what kind of business it is as a florist and kind of bring us, paint us a picture of okay. your business. So we started out mainly as uh, wedding and events, and uh, that is still the vast majority of what we do. 
But being in Oral Valley, it, it, it's um, a great community, and there was no real local florist up as far north of Tucson as we are. And so we are also providing sort of the day-to-day floral things out of a floral studio. So not your typical nine-to-five shop. I still like to kind of... Maintain all of the yeah, maintain all of the control over my life, um, and so we we always say that um, we're kind of hard to track down sometimes, but it's worth it. And then when people find us, we know they're tenacious and that we like them already. <laughs> mm. So, um, how far outside of Tucson are you? We're about uh, four miles north of. Of, oh. of the Tucson boundary and probably about 10 miles north of downtown. Okay, so you're basically in a suburb. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. How big is your studio? Um, I have about 2,500 square feet. Wow. Mm-hmm. But you may have occasional walk-in, but generally it's a working production studio. It's a working studio. production studio, okay. yeah. Wow. So we're doing everything from um, prom corsages because there's a couple of local high schools, and I have some kids attending high school, so we <laughs> they're, they've gotten very good at making the boutonnieres and corsages for You're those You're the events. mom. <laughs> yes. And um, we do daily deliveries, so we'll, we'll do um, Aunt Marge's birthday and... Um, anything else that anybody would have a need for. We do get some drop-in business and make some stuff on the fly, and then the the majority of our days are kind of spent doing those uh, corporate events, weddings, special events. Um, Miraval is a spa, kind of high-end spa that's up near us, and we service their lobby, and we do all of the daily deliveries for guests that are in-house. And so we've we've really found a home that ended up being in in a great area for kind of that trifecta of being able to diversify, mm-hmm. which I think in with everything that goes on in today's, um, you know, unpredictable yeah. climate, yeah. that it's great to be able to not just be doing one thing. Right. A little harder to do lots of things, but right. <laughs> trying to find that balance is always tricky. Right. I mean, just because you're capable and able to do it doesn't mean you always should, should. but, but sure. It, it, I'm sure everything is a case by case basis. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And it's really nice to be able to say yes or no. I'm uh, for me personally, learning to say no is hard. Yeah. <laughs> I want to say yes to everything, yeah. but yeah. Uh, part of that work-life balance is learning to say no to the projects that don't make sense or, um, or figure out a way to make them doable. Right for everybody involved. So something that's aesthetically pleasing for the client, something that's on budget, and something that's uh, made in a way that's so productive for us that that we could do it easily. So um, how do people find you? Are you very much focused on your online presence and um, just kind of using the right images and the right hashtags or... You you know, know? I mean, we I try to be really good at Instagram. Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect or really even great at it, but I'm, uh, I've recruited a little bit of help in that direction. So that's good. Um, but, um, we have a great online presence. We have great reviews. We really, the, the backbone for me personally in my business is I, I want everybody to be happy. I don't want anybody to ever get something that they felt was not anything but great. And so if, if anybody has a problem with anything, we're fixing it. Yeah rarely happens, Mm -hmm. but, um, we just want everybody, if they're flowers, they should make people happy. Yeah. And so just kind of, um, the question. No. Well, I asked about kind of like, uh, we can edit this, but just what I had asked about, like, how do people find you? So how do people find us? So, um, 
online. So mm-hmm. Google and Yelp for the daily delivery mm-hmm. stuff. And then really the the very best way, if, if, if anyone's trying to get into this business and you want to be a successful florist, word of mouth. Mm-hmm. You have to have some boots on the ground. You have to make human connections. As much as we live in a digital world, if, if the people who run the venues or the planners or the other people, the photographers, anybody involved in the wedding world doesn't have respect for you, doesn't have an affinity for you, doesn't have a kindness towards you, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. You have to maintain those personal connections in a way that's really authentic. Yeah. And, and that's very important to me. So is, would you say more than 50% of your business is in the wedding and event space? Yes. Okay. I'm, I'm probably about 60, 40, 60% events and 40%. And that I, I'm trying not to have that identity crisis um, because it used to be 95, five, and now it's 60, 40 because we're servicing this market that didn't have anyone to service. Um, and it's, it's interesting, but then I, so I resisted it for a yeah, very long time. But then there's this opportunity just demanding right, just it. sitting there. Yeah. And so I resisted it for a long time and have really kind of done a 180 and be, like embraced it mm-hmm. and because it is kind of great. Mm-hmm. Hi, how are you? How can I help you? Make them really happy. And, and I, I mean, usually people are so happy. And I don't know if this happens for everybody or if it's because we really are doing a great job. The customer will call us and say, I've never gotten anything this mm. amazing. Mm. The, how did you, you knew it was my 50th anniversary. You put gold in it so that, so that it was the, the gift of, yeah, yeah, you know, just That's some ways cool. to make it personal. So we don't currently offer online ordering. We make people call us because we want to know how to make it amazing for them. We want to make it special and go the extra mile. So that means basically every arrangement that goes out the door is a custom piece. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have any pre-mates. We don't have... We don't have a cooler stocked mm-hmm. with grab and goes. Mm-hmm. Um, everything we do is is custom. Wow, how would you describe your aesthetic, especially oh, being in Arizona? Re- you know, it's a really good question, especially being here mm-hmm. and seeing other people's work. Mm-hmm. You're always just kind of like, where, where, what box do I fit in? And honestly, I think even on my website, it still says like, I don't believe in boxes. Mm. Um, I I think maybe I have my own style that is like. I know that photographers say it. I know the planners say it. If they don't know it was my work and they show up on the job, they'll say to the bride, this is Katie and mm. this is Posh Petals. And mm. um, so that's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see my stuff, even when I come to a conference like this, fitting exactly into, you know, it's not exactly like Holly's. It's, it's not exactly like Hitomi's. It's not like the other floral associate people mm-hmm. that I have here at my table. And, mm-hmm. and so I think it's, um, it's, I guess it's kind of me. It's a little asymmetrical. It's a little flowy. It's not too much of any one thing. I love to put, um, we're in Tucson. I love to add those desert touches. So yeah, that's, I feel like that's where you add the texture. Yes. Yeah. I love texture. Yeah. I love depth. I love dimension. And I've, and I always work on a spectrum. I've never been like, these are the, you know, everything is white and green or mm-hmm. everything is yellow and peach. Mm-hmm. I, I take every nuance of color in between those two to bring like the vivacity and the, just the just deliciousness to yeah. it. I just love that. That's, that's when they say that's Katie. Mm, yeah. I, I think my work with color is definitely one of the things that sets me apart. Well, and it, it's like a true reflection of the landscape you're at too. Yeah. Where, you know, I think the so sun is just ever, I mean, the state's flag has a sun yeah, on it, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and, it ever present. And as it sets, you never know what kind of colors you're going to get. And that really just kind of opens up being able to, it's like playing with paint. You mm-hmm. can just kind of 
make it any any combination you wanted to. Well, we were, we were reminiscing when we met a couple years ago. I think it was must have been 2018 at uh, the Team Flower Conference uh-huh. in Florida, which was the first one. And there, I, w- I was there as a guest, so I didn't really know what was going to happen. But there was this component of... Uh, designers, I guess it was a competition where mm-hmm. designers were doing, were you doing a centerpiece or a hand tied? A centerpiece. A centerpiece. Mm-hmm. And then to, to make it fun, we ask everyone to write a description mm-hmm. of it. Um, and I got to kind of evaluate the descriptions because mm-hmm. I was As so, the creative writer. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And um, you reminded me about your bouquet and I have a vivid memory of it because you brought like a, a small Opuntia paddle mm-hmm. cactus in, mm-hmm. into yep. the arrangement. Yes. Did you bring that from home? I brought it from home. Oh my yeah. gosh, you kind of knew. <laughs> I just knew I wanted it to be me and and I think I'm also very efficient. <laughs> so like what's the fastest, easiest way for me to say Arizona? Bring a cactus. Wow. <laughs> so wow. And we use them a, a lot in our work and I think people especially if, if somebody's ordering something for someone and they're from the East Coast and they see that. It's a little different. It's a little Tucson. Yeah. And that's how it really signals fun. it. Yeah. yeah. So how do you add that, though? I mean, I know how to, how to you know, tongs. get us. You yeah. have to use tongs. Okay, because I know how to get an Echeveria, like, <laughs> uh-huh. create a faux stem for an Echeveria. Uh-huh. But what do you do with a cactus? Cactus is really similar. Oh. You know, sometimes it's a stake up through the cactus. Mm-hmm. There isn't a lot of tape involved. There's not a lot to hang on to. <laughs> no, but there's enough meat in there. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like, you know, we kind of give it the shake test, make sure it doesn't fall apart. But also, it, there's enough meat to just kind of stake it. And, you know, yeah. I, people aren't typically playing with it and trying to get it out of there. If they do, they're going to find out, yes, yes, it is real. Don't touch. <laughs> well, I think I have a photo of that on my phone still and the language you wrote. And I'm I love hoping that. I can find that and use it in our show. Yeah, that's so fun. Uh, just just to, for a, a, a nod back. A nod back, yeah. yeah. Um, so... How did you end up in Tucson, and how did you end up with the posh petals? I don't know how old your business is. Um, I have been doing floral for about, I always have to remember how old my oldest child is. She is 18 now, which seems surreal. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I've been doing flowers uh, for about 17 years. I've had my own studio now for about 15. Um, I've been in Tucson since 2007. Um, My grandmother owned a wedding reception center in Ogden, Utah, 80 years ago. And so what, my, what was that like a place where people would get married it was or, one of the or very, have the receptions? Mm-hmm, it was one of the very first wedding reception centers kind of in the country because at that time people were still just doing their backyard or a church mm-hmm. and this allowed them to have like a venue, right? Mm. It, was the, it was the precursor to like a venue. Wow. People weren't, didn't go to hotels really right. so much then, maybe in Beverly Hills or something, but, right. but in not, the middle in the middle, Utah. not in the middle of the country and not yeah. for your everyday Joe. And how many years ago? This was about 80 years oh, ago. Oh, yeah. That was very... It was, was cutting edge at the time. early. Yeah. yeah. And so she would make the wedding cakes and run the weddings. Um, they It was kind of a mansion house. Mm. And so they ran uh, weddings and receptions downstairs and they raised their seven children above stairs. Oh, my goodness. And so my mother learned how to make wedding cakes. So your mother grew up with that. My mother grew up in that. Right. And so then I grew up with a mother who made wedding cakes and... Um, as my dad would get promoted and we would travel the country kind of following his job, she would go to the country clubs and say, I'm Janie, try my cake. And then she would do their cakes because <laughs> it's good cake. And um, Wait, So you grew up with a grandmother and a mother who were entrepreneurs, which mm-hmm. is also kind of Probably also cutting edge yeah. for that time. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think definitely um, my mom being... 
just having her own money. Mm-hmm. Not that I really realized that as a child, but she had her. She never was reliant on anyone. She could do what she wanted to do, and I am definitely the kind of person that wants to do what I want to do. Yeah. And so um, I, I couldn't make cakes for my mother and love her. I couldn't work for her and love her. So I. Uh, got into flowers and she had written a book at the time and had it really blown up in Utah um, as kind of the premier cake person. And so we knew the best florists and I just kind of went to one one day and said, Hey, I think, I think I should work for you. And she said, I I think you should. She'd had a couple children and um, needed a special events coordinator. So jumped right into the weddings and special events for her company. And um, that's really how I learned sort of baptism by fire and then worked for her for a couple of years and then moved to Tucson to do my own thing. Wow. Wow, that's so cool. Yeah. But always with little children. I mean, Me having yeah. little children. I mean, yes, you I had a one-year-old when you started. Yes, so I have five now. The youngest, oldest is 18, the youngest is four. And it's wonderful chaos. And that's really the best way to describe it. It's crazy. Are it's, any, but are, I love it. Are any of them interested in joining the, the uh, becoming know, the fourth generation of a wedding person in your I, family? It'll be interesting to see. So far, the youngest two girls are probably the most interested my oldest is probably gonna she's gonna do great things I never worry about her my son will become a welder probably and um, my my middle daughter is uh, very interested in becoming a chef but the two little ones kind of like to put her around the shop so we'll see it's good thing I guess I had five because the first three are not so interested (laughs) (laughs) well uh, that's cool yeah you don't ever want to force your children into anything no 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 and and then they will work in the shop I mean I can send Clover who's my seven-year-old into the cooler and say okay I need the mini green hydrangea and the delphinium and she can bring it to me and so they're you know they're learning (laughs) that's so cool that's very fun that's great well, um, when we talked about your aesthetic and we talked a little bit about the cactus, and it makes me want to ask, like, what is the what is the sentiment of the couples that you're doing weddings for? Do they want an Arizona look for their weddings? We or? do. We kind of have two real sections um, or groups of people. Uh, we're a destination mm. place, and so if they're coming from New York specifically as a couple to have their wedding in Arizona, they definitely want to feel the desert. They, sure. they want their ceremony by saguaros. They want succulents and cactus worked into their things. They want some of those just real Arizona elements. And then there's people that have grown up there all their life that are like, I'm kind of sick of that. I want you know, roses. I want something different. Yeah. yeah, they want elegant or timeless. And so I, I, I feel like we are just split down the middle. You can, and, and it's good to have two categories. Because yeah, sometimes well, it keeps it more interesting yeah more to do (laughs) and local weddings might be bigger this year who knows Mm -hmm. people aren't going to have destination weddings as much I, i definitely think that um given you know when we got here um we were all definitely kind of feeling like, it's going to be fine. When and we got here to Trend Summit, yes. which was what, Wednesday? Yes. I agree. And I feel like every day, we, it's, it's my friend and I joked this morning, it's like the pain faces at the hospital, right? We started out on the first smiley face, and we think, well, we're okay, we're okay. And then we're like, second smiley face, ooh, this is starting to hurt a little bit. <laughs> and it just has kind of progressed, and, and, and we're wondering. Like you got what, the shot, and it's yes, now more painful. We're, we're wondering what face we're going to end on, because it's just, it's really uh, going to change the landscape, yeah. I think, of how how we function for the next couple of years, maybe smaller, intimate things, maybe family. And and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. You also mentioned something like you have four weddings on deck as soon as you get home. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so we've, this is your wedding season. This is my wedding season uh, in Tucson. We have kind of March, April, May 
we call, I call it a split season in September, mm. October, November. Mm-hmm. Not a lot happening in summer. We get an, a monsoon season, and so we get si- kind of this torrential rain in, in July and August, and every other day it will rain crazy sheets of rain. So don't have an outdoor washes. wedding. Yeah. Not not so much. you got to shoot in between the rain and hope that it's not raining on your yeah. day. Yeah. And, um so, and just the temperature, right? It's very hot. Yeah. yeah. So the temperature is the first, like, people aren't doing it in 110 degrees. And then the rain through July and August. So it's a nice time. I take a break. I go on vacation. Mm. <laughs> um, what What are you seeing for your own practices with sourcing locally? Are you having to go to, like, nurseries to get the cactus and succulents? Or do you have they, flower sources? They're coming sources? from California, typically. Mm. I, we, we've talked a lot about here. I was talking with uh, Sue from Passion Flower Sue about kind of concentric greens. You know, mm-hmm. first, if we c- use what you have, use what you can get close, use, you know... Just trying to be as kind to the environment as possible. Mm-hmm. And part of that is jet fuel. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think more and more the conversation is, do you want this specific thing if I have to get it from far away? Mm-hmm. And and some people say, yes, I want it, and we get it. And some people say, no, I'd rather use something local. I'd mm-hmm. rather use something more sustainable. So everyone's getting more educated, and those choices are definitely becoming part of the conversation. Um, there are There's a great grower... Um, in Aravapai, and they grow mushrooms all kind of all year, I think. And um, they've started to grow some flowers during the, they're a little farther north, about an hour and a half north of me. So we're getting um, more of the garden, like your, your staple sort of, I hate to say grow in your backyard, but right. just more of the annuals. Yeah, sunflowers, zinnias. Um, what, scabiosa, that was mm-hmm. great. That was a fun little thing to have. So I really, my passion, you know, we talked about how we're going to move into the future. Can I go into that? Yes. Um, yes, yes, yes. And um, being able, I have a, I can't grow right now. I'm not growing right now. My like, my kids are in school. My oldest is in high school. I can't stop what I'm doing and, and, and do a 180 or take a left turn. And so um, I, what I can do is support local growers. Right. And so I, you know, I will buy a hundred dollars worth of zinnias from her a week. I maybe only use 50 of those stems, mm. and then I enjoy the rest. Mm-hmm. But I have such a passion for supporting agriculture, supporting people who are farmer florists, supporting anybody who's growing anything in the ground. Sounds I, like food and flowers. Yeah, yeah, I just, I want I want them to be successful, and the one thing I can do right now is support that. Yeah. And so as somebody who can buy it, I'm buying it. Wow. I'm going to use whatever I can use. I'm going to I'm going to buy as much as I can buy because I that's the contribution I can make mm-hmm. right now. Uh, is there a wholesaler in Tucson? Not in Tucson proper. Okay. Um, the closest is Phoenix. Wow. Our biggest wholesaler is Mayesh. Yeah. Um, you know, and then there is, um, you know, there's some of that buying direct from the farm, mm-hmm. and that's happening all over. And mm-hmm. then um, a, a lot of the other options are coming out of California. Yeah, because a lot of the flower farming in the state of Arizona is up in Prescott and kind of north, and that's yeah. not super easy for you either. No, that's pretty far. I mean, yeah. we're talking four or five hours yeah. at that point. And then, um, you know, I mean, like succulents and cactus, those we can get kind of locally. Some of those do still come out of California. But... Um, Aravapa is probably the closest. Mm-hmm. There's there's a gal down in Patagonia, mm-hmm. but that's still pretty far. And she's able to, I think, from what I understand, um, you know, do more um, direct delivery of her mm-hmm. product. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So when you said you're not farming now, do you think that you will farm in the future? For the future, I think my passion really lies in in farming. Wow. Uh, My grandfather farmed wheat and barley and alfalfa. We raised cattle. um, And I have had a passion for just the land for a very long time. I think my grandmother really tried to talk me out of having that passion. She wanted to see me, I think, go do big things (laughs) somewhere else. And um, I just am constantly drawn back to the land. We have, we have a lot of animals now (laughs) that's makes our life extra crazy, but I just, I have a passion for agriculture Mm. and um, I think I'll continue my education with that. And I will, um, I'd like to get some peonies in the ground. I've got I've got land and I've got water and I'd like to get some in the ground and I've, that will kind of bridge that gap of time while my while the kids who want to stay in Arizona stay. Um, I don't know if I'll ever leave Arizona altogether, but yeah. um, who knows what the future will hold? How and much, I, like what kind of acreage do you have? Um, I have about seventeen acres in oh. in northern Utah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, so in northern Utah. Mm-hmm. You would grow there. I would grow there. Okay. You can't grow much in Arizona. I know. I was just thinking, wow, this is exciting. Yeah. Okay. So it may be more radical than just throwing a few peonies in the ground now. You might have to relocate. Yes. My family, so the, the ranch that we had, this is this is land that, that's coming to me through through the sacrifices that my grandma, grandmother and grandfather mm-hmm. both made. Right. Um, and so um, it's, it's land that that right now I have the opportunity to do something with, and I just feel sort of that pull and that passion to do something with it. Absolutely. Um, my oh, my dad and my um, my sister are in northern Utah, so we go back and forth quite a bit, and um, we spend the summer up there. That's where we go. And, um, and so I feel like it would be a way to maybe – you know, let's say I plant an acre of peonies. What's that going to hurt? Nothing. <laughs> it's a great, it's a great idea because it per, perennials in general are kind of like mm-hmm. permaculture. Like once you plant them, yeah. the yes, you have to tend to them, but they keep providing. Yes. So. Worst case scenario, I've already, I'm, I'm outlining where I eventually will build a home. Best mm. case scenario, it's, it becomes just a fully functional farm. Mm. Wow. So I kind of have that, that dream and that passion to do something like that. I, so this I, is kind of like a 10 year plan. Yeah, kind of. Uh-huh. And then I have, I, you know, I think, you know, I could build a barn there. I could have a venue there. I, I, I kind of feel that pull from my, my grandmother's work and I don't know where I'll land eventually. I, I, but I've got big ideas. <laughs> big, that's amazing. Oh, I hope that happens for you. Yeah. Um, what is the drive from northern Utah to Tucson? It's a pretty big drive. It's about right? a, a fourteen-hour drive if you're if you're hustling. Yeah. Okay. So I can see when you do go up there, you're staying for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. All right. Yeah. But we have. I mean, I'm really lucky that I have the ability to do that. We have um, sort of an ancestral farmhouse mm-hmm. that. Um, my brothers and sisters and I kind of all rotate through different seasons and that, you know, I get to visit my dad, I get to visit my sister, my kids get to visit their cousins and, um, I don't, I'm not paying, I'm not shelling out for right. a guest house or something. Right. Yeah. And that's when it's monsoon season in mm-hmm. Tucson. So you don't want to be down there anyway. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. happening. And so it's yeah. a great time to, it's a, it's also a great time for my kids to put their feet in the grass. Yeah. They can't do that in Tucson. <laughs> and, and so like we, we all run around barefoot. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, this has been so much fun to yeah. catch up on all, all that you're doing and, Thank you. um, kind of multiple business models that you're 
I'm just crazy. (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't know that it would work, but my model would work for anybody else, but it's certainly working for me. (laughs) I really enjoyed being at the table with you yesterday when we were doing kind of the brainstorming on lifestyle trends Mm -hmm. and how those are influencing the floral industry. Mm -hmm. I think there's going to, you had a lot of insights about just, especially because you have teenagers, Mm -hmm. like what does the future where is the future going? Yeah, what's I the think, future t- uh, floral consumer want? Yeah, yeah, you know, that that was a big conversation yesterday, and I think it will be interesting to see. We, we, we kind of all talked about how their use of technology is affecting things, how they're a very visual culture, and how they're just devouring. I mean, I feel like you put something on Instagram, and it maybe used to have a day or a few days of, like, being the image, right. and now it has, like, 10 seconds. <laughs> so... Who knows where yeah. that will go? They're yeah. just devouring visual content. Yeah, yeah. Up your photography game, lady. Yeah, I guess. I get right. <laughs> well, I just caught you taking photos of the bouquet you made with uh-huh. Holly Chapel. Yep. And so, and it's stunning. Oh, thank so you. So I want a photo of that. Yes, but will of you course. also share photos of, of, your, of what else you're doing? Yes, Maybe we've some got of your a, weddings. We have a day of workshops today and hands on stuff, and I, I'll share all the pictures. Oh, that sounds great. Katie, thank you so much. I'm really glad. Yes, it was so good. Like I said, it was a joy to see you walk in the door. So fun to sit down and talk with you. Oh. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining me today as we heard from both a flower farmer and a florist in our Slow Flowers community. I don't know about you, but things are sinking in this week that we are not in a temporary situation, but rather a long-term one with no end on the horizon. Some days are better than others. Days when I can do a little gardening, for example, like planting sweet pea seedlings gifted to me from my friend Laureen Edwards Forkner, one of our Slow Flowers Summit 2020 speakers. And then there are days when I can also arrange for contact-free, socially distanced flower pickups from a nearby farm. Thanks to Laughing Goat Farm in Enumclaw for this week's delivery. And then I have late afternoon mental health breaks to play with those local stems. It's so easy to feel overwhelmed, and I know I have felt that way for a few weeks, wondering how Slow Flowers can support our community. Last week, we held our second virtual member meetup on April 3rd. We had a great group in attendance. I thank you all for joining us. A special thank you to Missy Palacall of Missy Palacall Photography and the Calix Group for sharing her 30-day social media planning tool. If you've missed that, you can find that link in today's show notes. And thanks to Amelia Ilo of Rooted Farmers for walking us through the new marketplace for flower farmers and florists that Rooted Farmers has launched recently. We do have a Zoom replay video of the virtual meeting, and you can find the link in today's show notes at deborahprincing.com. Please join this week's Slow Flowers virtual meetup on Friday, April 10th. 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. The link is in today's show notes and also in our Instagram profile. We will also share it on the Slow Flowers Facebook page and in the Slow Flowers community on Facebook. I can't wait to see you there. Our very special guest is Holly Chapel of Hope Farm, the Chapel Designers, and Holly Hyder Chapel Flowers. Holly will join us to talk about weddings, bookings, managing the rescheduling craziness, and pivoting to a new reality for wedding and event florists. 
Last week, I announced updated plans for the fourth annual Slow Flowers Summit, scheduled for June 28th through 30th. In case you missed it, I announced that May 15th is the date when we will make a definitive decision whether to move forward with the original conference dates or to reschedule them. We want to make sure you have 45 days notice to adjust your plans if we have to postpone. And just in case, mark October 26th and 27th as the backup dates for gathering together at our beautiful venue the Filoli Historic House and Garden in Woodside, California. As I said last week, I'm eager, as eager as you are, to experience a fabulous conference, one that's presented in a safe environment. I hope this plan assures you and assists you in managing your own schedule moving forward into 2020. You can contact us anytime with questions, and I've added links to my email and that of our event managers, Karen Thornton, in today's show notes. You can also follow the Filoli Visit page and the Slow Flowers Summit page for additional updates. Our final sponsor thanks today goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. This Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 594,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, the momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com.